Luke chapter 15, verse 11 says this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. Somebody say this story. Why did he tell them this story? Because a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs with looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both you and heaven, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father, as if to ignore his son, said to the servants, quick, bring me the finest robe in the house. Put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast for this son of mine was dead and now he returned. To Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. Your brother heard music and dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother got angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years, father, I've slaved. I've worked hard. I've done everything you've asked me to do. I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you asked or told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, he didn't even say my brother, he said when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money, not the money you gave him, your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Two more verses, Luke chapter 19, verse 9 and 10. I'm going to read it quickly. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Let's pray. Father, I pray that in the next few moments that we share together, that these young people gain and learn and glean something from your word. And ultimately, ultimately they know and remember they can always come home. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You can grab a seat. You can grab a seat. Quick show of hands, quick survey, quick survey real fast. How many of you got little, you got little uh, siblings, sister, brother, you got younger siblings? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Good. Look around, look around, look around. Put your hands down. All right. Raise your hand if you got older siblings. You are the younger sibling. Raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, good, good, good. We got a great mix. Put your hands down. I want to prepare you. I want you to know that there are two. Somebody say two. There are two types of people in this room right now. So we got younger uh, siblings, and in the other case, we have older siblings. Either way, 
there are two people in this room. Somebody say two. But what I want to do tonight is I want to kind of walk you through this story because I think there's some things in there that you need to learn, that we need to learn, that we need to talk about. Because I don't know if you're like this. I don't know if this was your lifestyle or your upbringing. It wasn't necessarily true for me. But for some of you, home isn't always the place you want to go to. For some of you, home is the place you want to run away from. Another quick survey by show of hands. How many of you have ever thought about running away? Raise your hands. Raise them up real high. Don't let anybody feel bad. All right, you can put your hands down. Because some of y'all don't even know how to pack, so you're just like, I'm out of here. All I need is my toys and some peanut butter, and I'm out. But what I need you to know is, again, you can always come home. You can always come home. Verse 12, it says this. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. I don't want anything to do with your life. I just want what you have in your hand. I don't want to wait until you die to get what's mine. Give it to me now. Remember, I said there are two, two types of people in this room, and I don't know if that's you, but isn't that just like us? Is the son, I mean, there's similarities of our culture in us when he says, uh, I want what's mine now. We have a tendency, we have a natural proclivity to leave. We have a knee-jerk reaction to run when things get hard. Now, in this case, we're not talking about necessarily you running from home. This is what we're talking about. You run from church. You run from Christians. You run from the people you should run towards. You run from the Father that run towards you. We have a tendency to run. You leave the community. You leave the group, and you go out on your own. I know this is true about our culture because what our culture wants today is we want independence and we want inheritance. We, we want everything the Father has and we want nothing to do with the Father. We want everything the church can do for us and none of the things that the church requires of us. Here, here's another way to say it. We desire resources without relationship. Wouldn't it be great if you could have all the resources and not have to deal with any of the relationship? In other words, it would be great if you could have all the benefits of the relationship and none of the other parts that come with it. That's our culture. We have a tendency. We, and I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about me. We have a tendency to be selfish. We want God's hand on our life, but not his involvement in our life. God, I want you to bless me. Just don't tell me what to do. We want God's favor, but not the Father's commands. We want God's blessing on our way of life. We want what the Father has more than we want him. If you're taking notes, it's not going to be on the screen because, again, I want to go through this story the best way that I can. This is what you need to write down. Most people don't want God. They want what he has. Most people don't want the Father. They want what he has. Pastor Will, why are you saying this? Why, why, why are you bringing this up? Because I've seen too many young people, want, don't, they don't want a relationship with Jesus. They want everything that comes with Jesus. And I want to tell you, you can't have it that way. In fact, I'll say it to you this way. If all I have in my life is Jesus, I have everything I need. We got to get back to the place where we understand, where we, where we realize, where we learn. If all you have is Jesus, you have everything you need. Until God is enough, nothing else will be. Listen to me. Until God is enough, no person will be. Until God is enough, no amount of money will be. Until God is enough, nothing else will be enough. I love God more than what God gives me. You can have all the other stuff. You can have the world, but give me Jesus. 
You can have everything else in this life. There's a Bible verse that says, what does it profit a man to gain the world but forfeit his soul? You can have everything else but give me Jesus. They don't want God. They want his stuff. And it's sad only to realize later in this story, which we'll get to, that the father, the father's house, it is the inheritance. Because it's in the father's house that he has everything you need. John chapter 14, verse 2. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? This is what Jesus says to his disciples. He's like, man, there's more than enough room in my father's house. I wouldn't have told you this. I'm not lying to you. And I wouldn't have mentioned this to you if, it's not, if it wouldn't be beneficial for me to leave and go prepare the place for you in my father's house. I wanted to ask you tonight, do you love the Father or do you love what he can give you? Do you really love God or do you only love what he does for you? Luke 15, verse 12, the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between both sons. The little brother asked for it. The father agreed and then he blessed both sons. How many sons are there? Two sons. The younger son said, it's my money and I want it now. The dad said, okay, that's cool. And he said, I'm going to bless both of you. Pastor Will, why are you emphasizing this point? Here's why. Be careful what you ask the father for. Be careful what you ask the father for. Pastor Will, what do you mean? I got to be careful of my prayers? You should be. Be careful of what you ask the father for. The father is so generous he gives you what you ask for. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Go read it. The Father displays grace and patience by giving us the freedom to leave. The Father knew, oh, you want your stuff so you can go do with, do with, do with it, whatever you want. I'm going to give it to you, and I'll let you leave. It doesn't say in the story that the father pleaded with the son, please, please stay, son. Please, please, don't, I'm going to give you everything that you're asking for, but please don't leave. Please stay with me. Please stay close. The younger son wanted his inheritance at the cost of his father. The older son got his inheritance at the cost of his brother. Be careful what you ask the father for. Because what young people don't know, what most people don't know, what most Christians don't know, is anytime you ask the father of something, it always requires something of you. God, bless my life. God, God, I believe God is in heaven, seated on his throne. We can't see him, but he decked out. Like, he just bedazzled. He glowing. Like, it's awesome. Jesus is sitting at his right hand. The Holy Spirit is the atmosphere of heaven. God is on the throne. And when we ask, the, we, we ask God to bless our lives, I believe God is sitting on his throne. Like, you sure? You know what comes along with this, right? Even when you remain in the Father's house, you are blessed when you don't even ask for it. The older son didn't ask for it, and he was still blessed. He divided it between both sons. The younger son asked for it, but the father blessed both of them. Verse 13, after a few days, somebody say after a few days. You know, back in 2020 when everybody was getting that STEMI check, you know, as soon as it hit, they were like, oh, my goodness. I am about to go ball out. It's like some of you, you know, when you get money, for those of you that got a job, you know what I'm saying. When you get paid, when it hit, when that direct deposit hit, you already spend the money in your head. He gets the check. Somebody was like, yep, that's me because I'm about to do it tomorrow. He says, after a few days, the younger son didn't go to the mall. 
He didn't buy a car. It says he gathered his possessions, all his stuff, and left for a country far away from home. He said, my dad done gave me everything that I need. Not all I need is I need to get all my things, and I need to get up out of this house. Matter of fact, another survey, quick question. Raise your hand if you're ready to move out of your parents' house. Go and raise your hand. Yep, yep, got a few of you. Some of y'all are like, I don't know if I should answer that question, Pastor Will. Put your hands down. You might not answer it until after tonight. We'll see. The brother, because let's be honest. Some of you, you've said it to me. You're like, I can't wait to grow up, Pastor Will. I'm ready to be grown and go do my own thing. I can't wait to go to college and be on my own. That's true. That's good. I get it. This brother, this younger brother, he gets all his stuff. He gets his PlayStation 5. He gets his snacks out of the pantry. He's a guy, so he doesn't get his bed spread because boys are nasty. He just gets everything that he needs. He doesn't get any toiletry items. He's like, I'm balling. I got what I need. I'll bathe in the lake. Ladies, guys are foolish when they get a little money. Just watch out for them. Anyways, the younger son gathered his possessions, left for a country far away from home. There, he wasted everything he had on a wild lifestyle. Now, it doesn't say how much the brother got. But he wasted everything he had on a wild lifestyle. I want you to know this story is known as the prodigal son. The prodigal son. And some of you are like, Pastor Will, I don't even know what prodigal means. I'm going to tell you. Prodigal means spending time, money, effort, energy, and resources freely, recklessly, wastefully, carelessly, foolishly. I can give it to you after we get done here. It's where you're just spending money with no restraint. You're just literally throwing money away. You're throwing time away. You're throwing away something that somebody gave to you as if it always belonged to you. The reason I read that verse is because I want to tell you, young people, don't waste your inheritance. Don't waste your inheritance. Pastor Will, what do you mean by that? Young ladies, young men, don't give away your promise. Pastor Will, what's my promise? I'll tell you one of your promises. One of the most valuable things you have, you gave it to me tonight and you didn't even know it. You gave it to the worship team tonight and you didn't even know it. You gave it to yourself tonight and you didn't even know it. One of the most valuable things you could ever give anybody is time. Time. You, you gave me your time. What better way to spend your time than on a Wednesday night? Don't waste your time, your money, your effort, your energy on wild living. After a few days, the younger son gathered his possessions, left for a country far away from home. Why, why am I mentioning far away from home? Please write this down. You cannot become the right person when you're living in the wrong places. You cannot be who the Father is grooming you, shaping you, asking you to become, raising you up in the way that you should be when you're in the wrong places. But Pastor Will, the Father gave me everything I needed. Yes, he did, but he gave you everything you needed in the context of the home. You messed up when you took all of it and left. You cannot become the right person in the wrong places. He left home. Pastor Will, we've been mentioning home. What does home mean? I, my, I, are you talking about my home? Because my home is different. And I, I'm aware that everybody in this room has different home lives. I'm going to tell you what home means. You might want to write this down. Home means where you belong. Where you belong. Where do you belong? I want to ask you that tonight. Here's another part. It's where you return to your rightful place. The son had a place in the house. He had a room. 
He had an identity. He had relationship. He had resources. He had a rightful place. Home means to be among your people. This son, this young, now rich son, took everything and left his home. Home is where you're developed, safe, cared for, and protected. That's why when you come to church, we say, welcome home. We want you to understand that this place is safe. This is where you're protected. This is where you're developed. And I understand sometimes the place that you're supposed to be in that's supposed to help you is sometimes it can be the place that hurts you. But I'm telling you, you are safe in this place. This is your home. And not just this church is your home. Heaven is your home. Pastor Will, why is home significant? Because home is where your father and your family lives. I want to ask you tonight, where do you go when you run away from home? Where do you go when you run away from home? What do you do when you run away from home? Where is it? Like literally the funniest thing you could ask a person that decides to run away from home. The best question a parent could ask that kid is, where are you going? Verse 14, about this time, his money ran out. (laughs) It always runs out. His money ran out. And then, not only did his money run out, right when the money ran out, it's like, you know, y'all know what I'm about to say, because for some of you, this is real life. It's like when you go broke, everything's broken. Like, it seems like all of life just messes up. It's like, I ain't got no money. My money looking funny, and everything keeps happening. I got pulled over. I got a ticket. I can't pay for the ticket. I got classes. I got school. I got clothes. I got this. I got that. It's when I'm broke, everything else is broken. I literally think that's why they call it broke, James, because when you're broke, nothing can be fixed. Like, it's a problem. (laughs) It says, about this time, his money ran out, and then a great famine swept over the land. I don't know if you know what famine means, but famine means drought. That means there was no food. There was nothing. No water, no rain, no crops were being produced. A great famine hits the land, and he began to starve. When you run out of money, let me say it this way. Isn't it interesting that when you run out of money, you also run out of friends? When you run out of what you can do for people, they run out on you. Isn't that interesting how that works? When you're running on empty, when you're running low, when you're running out, what do you do and where do you go when you run out? I know what you do when you get mad, you run away from home. When you get mad in your father's house, you're like, peace, dad, I'm out. Mom, I don't want to do this anymore. Y'all get on my nerves. There's too many rules. I got to go. But what do you do when they give you everything you need to succeed and then you run out? What do you do and where do you go when you run out? I'm going to show you. Verse 15, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. You got to be real hungry to eat pig slop. Like, I don't, man, I used to do this with my dad, my mom. My mom would make something, and she usually made what my dad wanted to eat. And, like, one of the things they used to make, uh, it was Brunswick stew. For those of you that like Brunswick stew, good for you. I hated it as a kid. It just, it was a texture thing for me. I don't know how to explain it. I was unique. But I was like, I don't want this. And I would tell my mom, I was like, I don't want this. Can you make me something else? And my dad would come out of nowhere, you ain't hungry then. I'm like, I am hungry. I'm just not hungry for that. But when you're starving, listen to me, young person. When you're starving, you'll eat anything. 
when you're hungry, you'll eat anything. Now, uh, Pastor Will, I ain't never eat no pig slop because uh, uh, my nails done, my hair done, everything done. I ain't eat no pig slop. When you're hungry, you'll eat anything. So many of you young people are going about doing life and you're hungry and you're feeding on anything. What's interesting to me is this son, he was in his father's house and apparently his father was rich. Because his dad was like, I'm going to bless both of them. That when he finally got to the place to get a job, he goes to work. And he's sitting there. And what's interesting about this young, rich son who's now broke, he is feeding something that can't feed him. When, you're, when you get to a place when you run out, when you're starving, you start feeding things that can't feed you. Everything else was eating except him. He goes to the farmer. He's like, hey, bro, I need a job because your boy is hungry. The dude must not be a good worker because he's working and he ain't getting no money. And he's like, he a good boss, but this is like good steak. Like I'm about to eat this pig slop. I, I got to eat something. My stomach growling, the pigs are oinking. Like I, I, crispy bacon, like that's what I named them. It's about, I'm about to take a bite out of porky. Like I'm hungry. Pastor Will, why are you mentioning this story? The reason this story even makes sense, and it doesn't even, it's not even the fact that it makes sense. The reason this story is even so powerful is because Jews had nothing to do with pigs. He's telling a story about this rich, young, now broke Jewish, Jewish uh, son, and when he tells the story, the audience could, is almost appalled. They're like, pigs? Oh, he done hit rock bottom. Like, he lives with Patrick. He is under the rock. Like, he is at the bottom. This is a problem. It's only then, when you're at the bottom, that you realize what you had was a resource, but it wasn't the source. It's only when you get to the bottom that you realize it was a resource. It's just not the source. Verse 17 and 18. But when he finally came to his senses... He said to himself, when he found, some translations say, when he came to the end of himself, he said to himself, you got to be at a real low place to be in pig slop, feeding pigs, and then to come to realize, aha, and then say to yourself, this ain't working. This ain't the move. This is what I want to tell you. This is why I'm telling you this part. Sin will make you forget who you are. Sin will distract you from how far away from home you've gotten. Sin will turn you from a son to a servant. Sin will do things to you that you never thought. Sin will turn you from a child of God into chains of bondage. When he came to his senses, he finally got a whiff of his own mess. He finally realized what he did to himself. He came to the revelation of what he had done. He didn't blame anyone else. He became aware of the role he played in his own life. This is what you can learn from the younger son. When you finally hit rock bottom, when you finally come to your senses, when you finally come to yourself, you can't blame anyone else. You got to deal with yourself. He remembered. He realized that no one else could give him what his father already has. He remembered that his father could feed him. 
I want to tell you tonight that your father knows what you need before you even ask. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. He knows what you need before you even ask. How much more will your father give good gifts, give good things to those who ask? Pastor Will, why you keep mentioning father? My dad isn't a good dad. My dad isn't in my life. You don't know what my family's like. Why are you keep mentioning this word father? Let me tell you what father means. It means the source of life and provision. It's the source and the foundation of the family. I'm not talking about an earthly father. I'm talking about a heavenly father. The father, had, the father always has more resource than you have need. Let me say it this way. The father always has more grace than you have sin. Always. Always. Let's continue the story. Verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father. And I'll say, father. I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. I want to ask you tonight, young person, how do you come back home? How do you come back home? Do you deal with yourself? I know for me, this is the way I came back home. This is the way I came back to the Father. This is the way I gave my life to Jesus. Father, I don't have to be your son. Just let me be your servant. God, I know what I've done in my life. I know the things that you've blessed me with. You gave me a good family. You put me in, you kept me safe in the environment that I grew up in. But, Father, it... Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than be anywhere else. Father, please, I don't even have to be your son. Just let me be a servant. Just let me be in your house. The Father has been waiting on you to come home ever since you left. Verse 20, so he returned home to his father. The next thing you can write down is actually the message of the title. You can always come home. You can always come home. When the father blessed both sons and he gave them the inheritance and the son packed up all his belongings and left, the father never said, never come back. He never said, you take, every, you take all this and you, you just get out of my face. I never want to see you again. The father never said, you can't come back home. Listen, only when we come to our senses do we come to the conclusion that it's time to come home. Only when you come to the realization, I can't do this by myself anymore, do you realize it's time to come home. You're not with the father. Verse 20, so he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and he kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. This dad, I just picture he's on this porch. He's looking off into the distance. He's looking off into the horizon or the sunset. He's looking off, and he sees this figure, and it says, filled with love and compassion. He still remembered what his son looked like. He remembered how he walked. It says, while he was still a long way off, he ran to him. Listen, your father doesn't care what you look like, smell like, been through. He will run to you. He will hug you. He will embrace you, and you're never too dirty that he won't kiss you. He runs to his son. 
He missed him. He expected him. He knew his son would come back home. He never stopped looking for him to come back home. He never stopped believing that he would come back home. No matter how far from home his son went, he still remembered what he looked like. You need to write this down. The father never stops looking for and loving his children. My mom used to say this to me. She used to say, son, there's never anything that you'll do that'll make me love you any less. And that's my earthly mom. I love my mom. I'm a mama's boy. But beyond all that, when I realized how much my mom loved me, when I came, when I first saw pictures of Lucy, my, my, my baby girl, the first time I saw her, I was like, I, people keep saying, you don't know how much you'll love her. They don't know how much I love her now. And if I love her that way, if my mom loves me that way, if Lindsay loves Lucy that way, I want you to understand you have no idea the way the father loves you. He never stops looking for and loving his children because unconditional forgiveness is revolutionary. Love and mercy is what changes us. Loving kindness is what brings us home. His grace brings us to repentance. You always thought that when you messed up, when you do something bad, that your father in heaven is looking down on you to punish you. He's not looking down on you to punish you. He is running towards you. He's pursuing you to say, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you did. You're home now. Just, just be here. I got to embrace you. I want you to know I love you. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son no longer worthy of being called your son. How many of us in this room, you've decided in your mind, you've made up in your mind that when you stand before the Father, God, I'm not worthy to be called your kid. I'm not worthy to be related to you. I'm not worthy to be your son. How many of us get to a place where we, we believe in our heart, you sit back and you think, and like, God, you have no idea what I've done. He's like, I know exactly what you did, and I still love you. Why are you telling us this? Because you don't get the final say in who the Father says you are. You do not get the final say in who the Father says you are. He left home, but the Father never said he couldn't come back. No matter how far you've gone, the Father will run to you once you turn back to him. Verse 22 and 24. The son says this, and the Father ignores the Son. He says this, servants, bring me the finest robe in the house and put it on him. The dad didn't even say, oh boy, you stink. He literally said, nope, stop talking. You, go get the robe. The thing that he asked to be brought him the thing that he needed to bring him back to be a son. Let me be a servant. He's like, no, servant, go get him a robe. Go put a ring on his finger. Don't wash his hands. Put a ring on his finger. Put shoes on his feet. I don't care what he's been through. I don't care what he's walked through. Cover his feet. Put everything on him. I don't care what he looks like. He's my son. The father is not afraid to get smelly and dirty. But why are we? Remember I said there are two people in the room. Two people. The father was like, that's my boy. He need to bathe, but I love him. We'll fix that later. We're about to turn up right now. Go get him a steak. The other brother, he was out in the field. He was working. 
he comes home. You ever came home and people just having a party and you're like, what is this? I wasn't invited. This is my house. He walks in. He's so mad. You ever work so hard and then you get mad that people are enjoying stuff and then you walk in and you be like, I wish they knew what I've been doing all day. I've been out here working, slaving, doing my nine to five and they're out here just having a good time. Like, I don't know if you, this is what the, the older brother sounds like. He's so mad. He's so salty. He don't even go in the house. Hey, servant, little Ray Ray, come here. Um, that's not his name in the Bible at all. I literally just made it up. What they doing? Like, what's going on? The servant. Oh, you don't know? Oh, you don't know. Your brother came back home. He was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he's found. And the brother gets mad. He doesn't even get mad at the brother. He gets mad at his father. You've heard me say often that when you get saved, you don't just get a father, you get a family. You've heard me say that. But let me let, me let you in on a little secret, young people. Sometimes the people in the same house as you will be the people that hurt you. And I want to go ahead and tell you right now, I'm sorry. For the Christians who haven't represented Jesus to you properly. That was not the Father's heart. When people come home, we should respond as a family the way the Father did, though. Because it represents a member of the family coming home. I asked some of you if you had younger siblings. Could you imagine if you lost your younger sibling? How hard would you look for them? How many missing missing and wanted posters would you post to find your little si your, your sister, your brother? What would you do to make sure they came back home? For those of you that are the younger sibling, if you were lost, what would you do? Well, how would it, how would it register in your mind to know, I just got to go home? We should be filled with so much love and compassion that we run to the people that ran from home. And so many times, believers, the father's kids, we look at people and we say, I don't want to hug them. They're dirty. They're smelly. They're stinky. They're messed up. Their life doesn't, they shouldn't be attached to me. I don't even want them in my house. How dare you? As if you weren't lost. As if you weren't messy. As if he didn't see you off in the distance and run towards you. Who are you to say that your brother or your sister cannot come home? The Father will always bring us back to right relationship. Our Father has been prepared to say, welcome home. He has been ready to say, I love you way longer than you've been practicing. I'm sorry. Before he even gets it out, he's like, boy, stop. I love you. He can give you everything you want, but he still has everything you need. I want my half of your estate now. I'll give you everything you want, but I still got everything you need. What did he need? He needed a relationship. Here's why I'm telling you this. Everything you have comes from the Father's house. Everything you have comes from the Father's hand. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Every little thing you have comes from God. He never runs out. Psalm 50, verse 9 through 12. But I do not need the bulls from the barns or the goats from your pens, for all the animals of the forest are mine. This is God. This is the Father speaking. He's like, everything you kill, mine. 
and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't just own the cattle, I own the hill. When he's talking about hills, he's probably talking about mountains. The stuff on Everest, I own that too. The stuff in the Rockies, that's mine. The stuff in the Appalachian Trail, that's mine too. The stuff in the Himalayas, that's mine. Everything, the cattle on a thousand hills, that's mine. I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field. It's almost to say, I'm not a man, I'm not a human. God is saying, I'm not human that I get hungry. But if you're hungry, I got more than enough food to feed you. He's so good, he's made manna fall down from heaven. He's done everything he can to make sure that his children have everything you need. And then Jesus comes, God in the flesh, and says, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And if you are starving tonight, he wants to feed you his word. He can give you everything you want, but he still has everything you need. I'm going to ask everybody, if you don't mind, if you'll stand to your feet. I want you to close your eyes for a second. The story emphasizes the mistake of the younger son. And we have a tendency and a temptation to give the older son a pass. Eyes closed just for a moment because I want you to picture this. One son realized he wasted everything he had. The other never realized what he always had access to. Both of them were lost. One of them is lost because he's unrighteous, because he's living wrong. But the other one is lost because he's self-righteous. He thinks he's never wrong. One of them is unholy, but the other is holier than thou. And when you look at the story correctly, I think you will come to realize that there are two types of people in this house. There are people at church who are bad because they're living in sin. But there are other people at church who are sinful because they think they are better than the person living in sin. And I mentioned that some of you are the younger brother, but many of you are the older brother. The only thing worse than being lost is not knowing you are. This is the meaning for the older brother. It's possible to be obedient, to be blessed, to be in the presence of the Father and still be ungrateful. It's possible to be at church, to be in God's presence, to go to camp, to come on Sunday morning, to sit in the student section, to give the speed of light, to then sit there and think and still be ungrateful for everything the Father gives you. The older brother wouldn't go in because he was angry. His father came out and begged him, and he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate him by killing the fattened calf. He's standing outside the door of the party, and he won't come in. With eyes closed, just imagine, you don't have to be far away from the Father to be disconnected from him. It's not that the Father loves you any less. He just isn't worried because he knows where you are. But he was worried about the son that was lost. And the father was teaching his son, that sinner is still my son. That person that you think you're mad at, that's still my son. That's still your brother. And you should celebrate just as much as I am because he would do and has done the same thing for you. The last thing I want to tell you is heaven is our home. 
That's where your home is. You can always come home, and the home that God is calling you to is to heaven. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come, Hebrews 13, 14. Right before I prayed, James said it this way. He said, earth is a hotel, but heaven is our home. You're just visiting here. Pastor Mark said this Sunday, this isn't our home. This is our assignment. No matter how far you go, you are never too far from home. Father, I pray that it won't take tragedy, calamity, poverty, or injury to make us come to our senses. Father, help us to remember we can always come home.